Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 1 John 2. Let's start by reminding ourselves of what the goal is here in 1 John. The goal here is that you would have joyful and confident fellowship with God, that you would be saved, that you would know you are saved, and that you would have a joy in that salvation. I mean, man, as a pastor, that is something I long for for the people in my church. I want them to actually be saved. I don't want there to be people in my church that think they're saved when they're not. So I want them to actually be saved, but then I also want them to know that they are saved. I don't want them to be saved, but struggle with doubting. I don't, I don't know if I'm really saved or not. And then based on that assurance, a confidence, no, I know I am saved. I want them to have joy in that salvation. And that's not really my heart. That is what I see the goal of first John being. He wants them to have fellowship with God he, and, and with them. He wants them to have a, a complete joy, and he wants them to know that they have eternal life. And so 1 John is a book that often has been and a book I would recommend. Do you want to know if you're saved or not? Well, then look at 1 John. Now, as you read through 1 John, there will be some brutally honest statements that should, I think, cause some people to admit, well, if that's what the Bible says, then I'm not really saved. I remember one person early on in the life of our church that someone said, hey, well, why don't you read 1 John? Because they were wrestling with this. And as they got baptized, they said, I read 1 John and it says what it says. And the implication was it says what it says. And I knew what I am living in my life does not match up with that. So 1 John can be pretty clear in identifying that is not real saving faith. That is not biblical Christianity. But what we've already seen in chapter 1 is, First uh, John doesn't just dump that on you and say, sorry, too bad. It, it gives you the solution. Uh, the solution is confessing our sins uh, and really find cleansing and forgiveness in Christ. So again, whether you are saved or not, hopefully by the time you are done with First John, you, you are saved, you know you're saved, and you have a joy that comes from that salvation and from that fellowship with God and from his people. And that idea of fellowship, one word that we're going to see a few times here in First John 2 is abiding, this idea of remaining, that we are to remain with God, remain in his ways. And that is that picture of, of joyful fellowship with God that comes from an assurance. So let's just walk through First John chapter 2 and, and see some things along the way that, that point us along that theme of uh, that goal of knowing we are saved and actually being saved and having a joy in that salvation. Now, it starts by giving us another purpose. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So assurance should never cause us to be like, well, I know I'm saved, so a little sin's not going to hurt me because I'm saved. No, that should cause us to want to not sin. But then it says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole 
world. So there, again, we see our hope that 1 John is giving us is not based on our works. Our works are evidence of this change that God has brought in our life, but the works are not the source of them. The source of our salvation, the source of our forgiving, our forgiveness, the source of our cleansing is from Christ, his atoning sacrifice, his righteousness, his offering of himself for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. That is where our hope is. But then it gives us another one of those straightforward statements. By this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So very straightforward there. If you are not keeping his commandments, you're a liar. You're not really a Christian. If you are keeping God's word, well, then you're showing that God's love has been perfected in you. And as we interpret statements like that, I'll offer again the words that my dad would often tell me as a young Christian. We're not talking about the perfection of your life. We're talking about the direction of your life. Because every single one of us might say, "I, I know there's some ways I've broken God's commands this week. I have not been perfect. There is still sin in my life that I'm working on and that I know God is working on. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about direction. Because if we know, man, I'm just continually breaking God's commandments and I don't even really feel sorry about it, that, that's evidence. You, your claim of knowing him is, is flawed because there's no evidence of that in your life. So again, the goal should be joy that you say, hey, I've put my faith in Christ and I see this change in direction. I'm not breaking his commands like like I used to. Now I'm seeing more and more his love being perfected in me and that love showing itself in in obedience, an obedience that's growing over time as I live out my faith. Now, another statement that we see that's pretty straightforward is this next section that focuses on the command to love others. And it says in verse nine, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Another one of those straightforward statements. If you say, oh yeah, I'm I'm a Christian, I'm in the light, but you hate your brother. That's not real Christianity, according to the Bible. Verse 10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him, there is no cause for stumbling. And again, the goal is not, well, if you love your brother, then you can earn your salvation. No, no, no. If you are saved, if you have put your faith in Christ and found cleansing and forgiveness from him, then you will love your brother. It is the fruit of our salvation, not the root of our salvation. Next, you get into this interesting section in verses 12 through 14, where it talks to three different groups, little children, fathers, and young men. And this is interesting um, because what does that mean? And the best explanation that I've heard is that this is talking about basically various stages of growth as a Christian, with little children being young Christians, young men then being the next stage, and then fathers being older, more mature Christians. And so you can look at this and hopefully chart a path for spiritual growth. Hey, if I want to grow and eventually be a, a spiritual father, what does that look like? 
You see the building blocks there in the beginning. Well, I'm, I'm a little child. I, I, I know my sins are forgiven. Um, and as a this little child, I know the Father. There's this intimacy now that I have with God. There's this knowledge that my sins are forgiven. And then to young men, at both times, it says a little more the second time, but it talks about overcome the evil one. That there is this growth in overcoming the evil one in your life. Probably less uh, of these obvious sins in your life as you are overcoming temptation and growing in spiritual maturity. And then the fathers, it says the same thing both times because you know him who is from the beginning. And even the way there, it describes God, him who is from the beginning. It gives me this idea of steadiness. That God is from the beginning. God is eternal. And the fathers, the more mature people spiritually, they have an intimacy with that God who is from the beginning. So I think there's a, there's a steadiness to these older, more mature Christians because of their intimacy and their knowledge of this everlasting God who was from the beginning. The next uh, statement or section talks about not loving the world. And this is, again, if you see that you're just loving the world and and that's where you're going, that shows the love of the father is not in you. But also this passage, I think is instructive for all of us to be a warning, watch out for those desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of, of life. Those are things that are all around us in this world. And those are things that we need to be careful that they don't get a hold of our hearts. Um, And and really when we ask, well, what is the world? Is that anything in the world? It's really clearly talking about those three things, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, the pride of life, what feels good, what looks good, what, what exalts you. Those are the things that should not be getting a hold of our hearts. Now, what we believe about God is important in this next section where he's warning them about the antichrist is coming. And I think as we look at, you know, We'll get to Revelation. I think there's a specific person that that Scripture is pointing to, but he's talking about now there's many antichrists. And who are these? They're people who have gone out from us because they were not of us. And it seems as you read that they've denied something uh, that they used to know because what we are to do in verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide or remain in you. Don't turn away from this gospel that you've heard from the beginning. And that's what these people seem to have done. They have denied the that Jesus is the Christ. They have turned away from really the core of what we believe. So it isn't just our actions that show our faith. It is what we say we believe. That That is also important in this picture. And we need to not be deceived. Verse 26, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. There are going to be people that turn away from the faith and they try to get you to do the same and you need to abide in him. And as you see yourself doing that, that's another thing that should fuel your assurance. Man, I've seen other people fall away and go believe other things. No, I'm still holding on to that same truth about Jesus. And our goal is to actually be saved, to know we're saved, and to have joy in that. And obviously, we want to experience that because who wants to either be self-deceived and not actually be saved? Who wants to live the Christian life just without any joy, without any assurance? But another reason why we should want that is because Jesus is coming back. 
And we don't know when he is coming back. And that's how the chapter ends. And now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. I mean, just think of the thought, what if Jesus came back today? Does that make you go, yes, finally? Or you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Well, if you are saved and you're actually saved and you know that you're saved and you have this joy and this assurance and you're seeing growth in your life, the direction of your life is clearly one of increasing obedience and godliness, then the thought of the return of Christ will give you joy and you don't need to shrink back from him at his coming. So that's another important reason why we need the theme of this book. Part of it is maybe a little more subjective that We want that confidence. We want that assurance just on the inside. We all want what the old hymn talks about, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. But here's an external reason. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? And are you ready to be excited on that day? Or will you be shrinking back in judgment? I hope our time in 1 John is increasing your confidence. I hope it's increasing your joy. And I hope it's increasing your readiness for Christ to return. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.